electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today in our podcast, remembering the life and legacy of the notorious Honorable RBG, how Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death is impacting an already polarizing general election season. Businesses generally, at least from a policy standpoint, want continuity and they want to know the rules of the road. And this just creates so much potential volatility right at the end of this year. Big, albeit somewhat confusing news about TikTok over the weekend. Tech analyst Rich Greenfield says, bottom line, it's good for users and for drama. This is going to make the most epic screenplay. I mean, this is tech and Hollywood all rolled into one. And speaking of screenplays, the first virtual Emmys went up a certain creek. You can never just say the the name of the creek without saying the creek. If you don't say Shit's Creek, you're up Shit's Creek. And according to confidential U.S. documents, some big banks could be headed up that very same creek. It's Monday, September 21st, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Ruth Bader Ginsburg the pioneering Supreme Court justice known for her pointed dissents and women's rights advocacy died on Friday night at the age of 87. Brooklyn-born Ginsburg, dubbed years ago with the nickname The Notorious RBG, led the Supreme Court's liberal bloc and became a pop culture icon for young activists pushing for change in America. When Ginsburg was appointed to the high court in 1993 by President Bill Clinton, the Senate confirmed her nomination by a near unanimous vote. Before her passing, the Supreme Court had a 5-4 majority of Republican-appointed justices. Now, her newly vacant seat is an opportunity for President Trump to nominate his third justice to the nation's highest court, swinging the bench further to the political right. If Trump nominates RBG's replacement and the Senate confirms that nominee before Election Day, it will mark the quickest period between nomination and confirmation since Ginsburg herself. On average, it takes about 70 days for a Supreme Court justice nominee to be confirmed. Currently, there are 43 days until the presidential election. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. The death of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg Friday night will consume Washington, making a phase four coronavirus relief bill unlikely until after the election and confirmation vote for a new justice will probably happen in the lame duck session. This is Chris Kroger of Cowan Washington Research Group. He joins us now. Uh, on the Squawk Newsline, want to get his analysis uh, of uh, of what this means and um, really how how this vacancy can not only change the election but change the world of business. Chris, when when you think about what's going to happen here, we'll just handicap it straight up. Do you believe that there will be uh, an, not just an appointment but a uh, someone who's appointed and gets that role and gets voted in before the election? Or before the lame duck session's over? Yes. So, you know, base case. 100%. That Trump, well, no, it's Washington. I mean, nothing's 100%. But I think, you know, sometime this week, as early as tomorrow, 
uh, President Trump will nominate uh, um, a, a female uh, nominee to, to replace the late uh, Justice Ginsburg, either Judge Amy Coney Barrett or Judge Barbara Lagoa. You'll have a Judiciary Committee hearing sometime likely in October, which unfortunately is probably going to be like the Kavanaugh hearing on, on steroids. Um, and then depending on you know the public perception and polling of that, we'll either have a vote before the election or we'll have a vote probably right after the election. The big variable is Arizona. Um, the You have a Democrat, Mark Kelly, running against Martha McSally. If Kelly wins that race on November 3rd, he could be seated as early as November 30th. This is the seat to fill the remainder of, of the late John McCain's seat. So you, you do sort of have... Uh, have multiple variables here, but it seems all, all signs would point to Trump nominating someone as early as tomorrow. And Chris, would it be considered a, a, a Democratic fever dream uh, that makes no sense to think that there will be Republicans who would ultimately vote against uh, or, or, or try not to vote in this case uh, for a nominee? Well, so the Senate right now is 53-47, Republican-controlled. So in a 50-50 in a tie, uh, Vice President Pence would break the tie. So McConnell and Trump can right. lose three Republican senators uh, and still get a confirmation. They've already lost uh, Susan Collins from Maine and Lisa Murkowski from Alaska, saying they would not vote uh, before the election. So he, there's still some, uh, some room, a number of sort of... Uh, Swing votes or perceived swing votes came out uh, over the weekend saying they would vote to move forward. Rob Portman, Lamar Alexander, Roy Blunt, a couple others. Really, you know, this is, this is going to come down to Mitt Romney, maybe Chuck Grassley, uh, and a few others. But uh, it's uh, and then you know we'll probably get some polling on this in the next 48 hours or so that that could also influence uh, those those senators who are are still keeping their powder dry. Chris, and then separately, there has been speculation over the weekend. You hear it from Democrats saying if 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 the Republicans were to go through and confirm um, the president's nominee, that there might be conversations about trying to expand uh, the court in the future uh, if the Democrats were to get into control. Does that make sense to you? Is that a good idea, it, a terrible idea? It, <laughs> well, it, it, it makes sense in that this, that, you know, I think the, this this you know, this has has already started moving, and I think this really just accelerated what was the the trend line. And if you look back to uh, really uh, the John Lewis funeral, when uh, former President Obama gave the eulogy uh, for uh, for John Lewis, when he equated the filibuster as uh, with with racism, he he said that the filibuster was a relic of Jim Crow. To us, that was really the signal event that if the Democrats sweep. Uh, the filibuster could well uh, be gone. Right. The big deal there is that you can then increase, you could, in theory, increase the size of the Supreme Court, and you could also bring in uh, Puerto Rico and um, uh, perhaps Washington, D.C. as new states, increasing uh, in each state getting two new senators right. as well. So really, you know, incredibly massive Chris, uh, po policy Chris, changes. In terms of business leaders uh, who are who I imagine uh, may be watching this program right now, how are they supposed to think about the two uh, prospective candidates, both of whom seem to be uh, quite pro-business and have made a number of, of, of what might be described as pro-business decisions 
um, or helpful to large business. Uh, you know, Judge uh, Lego uh, had uh, withdrawn, uh, that actually prevented a law uh, that, it, that it helped homeowners recover fees from banks. So if you're in the banking business, that would be good for you. If you're a homeowner that was foreclosed upon, it would be bad for you. Uh, so if, you're, if, if you were a leader of one of these institutions, you might think those things are good. At the same time, um, there are issues about immigration, dreamers. You've seen Tim Cook and other uh, uh, CEOs of large companies come out in favor of things like that. These justices are not in favor of things like that. Well, the, 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 the huge variable in all of this as well is the fate of uh, the ACA, Obamacare. Uh, that was de- mm-hmm. uh, that's still going to be decided or heard the week after the election. What a a five, you know, a five, three conservative leaning court uh, is very different. Uh, you know, if if you have a tie, um, you know, the the appellate court would uphold in theory. You know, you have some real volatility with with Obamacare. If the election goes to, uh, you know, litigation, you could have a tie scenario if we had a sort of Florida recount like in 2000. So, you know, businesses generally, at least from a policy standpoint, you know, want continuity and they want to know the rules of the road. And this just creates so much potential volatility uh, right at the end of this year. Uh, we'll see on the, uh, who, uh, who the president nominates, but clearly uh, it will be, uh, in theory, someone who you know, would line up more on a, a conservative and more pro-business as opposed to, as opposed to pro-union uh, policies. Hey, Chris, uh, continuity is the one thing that businesses want. They want to know how to operate. They want to know what the rules of the road are. And the scenario you just laid out a few minutes ago, the idea that whichever party wins is going to take and run with this and go as fast as they can, get rid of things like the filibuster. I mean, that just means to me that there's going to be less continuity, that each side is going to take massive swings either to the left or to the right and change the rules every time that there's a change in leadership. I mean, to me, it sounds like businesses should be hoping that there is not one party that is running all things. I mean, you know, divided government uh, generally uh, has been more positive for uh, you know, for, for equities. It's just a, when you it's these wild swings. I think six of the last seven, uh, you know, elections have been change elections, uh, either removing the, changing out the Congress and or the president. Um, but yeah, I mean, wild swings uh, would seem. Uh, and you know, some of this started with with rec- You know, you, you can go back and rewind the tape. Where did this start, et cetera? But I think what we're what we're seeing now is that the velocity of politics in this country, in Washington, is going to continue to swing with, with just much more velocity than we've right. seen before. And then, Chris, finally, I wanted to ask you, what do you make of all the comments that were made in, in 2016 uh, by, by various senators? I'm thinking of Lindsey Graham. I'm thinking of uh, uh, Marco Rubio, who effectively said at that time, as you know, that, uh, that, that they did not believe a decision should be made uh, in, the, in an election year. Um, you've now seen... Uh, Lindsey Graham come out and say that that he called that the McConnell rule because because of who was controlling the Senate. By the way, prior to that, they 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 called this the Biden rule uh, uh, at one point. So uh, if if if, for example, those senators were to, quote unquote, go back on their word, does that change their own political futures or not? 
Um, I mean, yeah, some of the, uh, the, the, the verbal gymnastics that folks are, are using uh, is, is quite remarkable. Look, I think, you know, if you're Lindsey Graham running in South Carolina, I think having an election, you know, in, in his mind, you know, you're, you're playing the cards you, you've been dealt and having a fight over the Supreme Court is maybe better than having a referendum on, on President Trump. You know, every, every senator has their own race to think about, um, and it does seem like we, I mean, we're, we're less than 50 days from the election. Uh, but Chris, I mean, you know, pre- yep, go ahead. Don't, don't we have President Obama, um, uh, Vice President Biden, and actually Ruth Bader Ginsburg herself all saying that in, in a year where there's an opening, it needs to be filled immediately. Don't you have the same hypocritical statements from the other side that I've, I've seen them all weekend long? I've seen, but I mean, I, I, it's tit for tat. For each one on the right that said that, there's someone on the left saying you need to immediately fill the post. So I, I don't know. I can, I can just cancel each one out with an Obama. I'll give, you know, give you a Lindsey Graham. I'll, I'll raise you an Obama, right? Look, I, yeah, I think, you know, you know, forget it, Jake. It's, it's, it's Chinatown. I mean, well, this is, this is what they're going to do. Um, right. we'll see, we'll see. Uh, and I think, you know, we could, we could get the nomination as, as soon as today. So whether it's, it's the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, uh, the reality is they're going to move forward. And, you know, McConnell, if McConnell believes it's in uh, the interest, his, his interests, the party's interests to, to move right. forward as quick I mean, as he can, he's going to do it. To expect either party to respond to, well, it's just not fair, is, is like ludicrous. It's like the reason the Democrats couldn't stop McConnell from, from not considering Merrick Garland was because he had the Senate. And, and they do things because they can. The reason that the Republicans couldn't stop an impeachment during the COVID, the beginning of COVID, was because they, they can't. The reason Obamacare passed was because there wasn't a single GOP vote, because they can do it. And they all do what, they, what they're going to do. It's almost like, why does it happen? It's because, uh, you know, the sun comes up and then it goes down. It's, it's like a law of physics almost, isn't it? These parties never do anything because of fairness, God forbid. Right. I mean, I, and just sort of coming back to, the, I think, the longer-term trend here is it's going to be a, a very much a, a tit-for-tat. And when one party controls all three levers, the White right. House, the House, and the Senate, I think you're going to see uh, really uh, violent uh, uh, policy swings. That's why, you know, Congress has like an 8% approval rating, both, both parties, um, because it's just, you know, business as usual, and it's not Chris. pretty to watch. Chris, wanted, yep. be, be, before you go, in the case that there's, it, it, there, was a, there would be a 4-4 split, if we actually got into an election uh, mess in this country and there was only 4-4, you know, four and four, what would happen? Um, in, so the, the lower appellate court decision would be upheld. If we're in a you know, Bush-Gore scenario, though, there is no... Uh, you know, there may not be a lower court decision. So it's really, um, you know, you're getting into the very deep end of, of, theor- of the theoretical pool. Um, candidly, I, I don't know. I'm not sure uh, there's much legal precedent here for, you know, a, 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 you know, you can go back to sort of, you know, the 1876 election or things like that, right? It's not, um, it's not pretty, um, but that's, you know, we also had a, a split court. We had a, obviously a vacancy going into into 2016. So that, um, you know, it's you, you do have precedence there, but 16 wasn't obviously litigated. 
Chris, uh, we appreciate all your insight this morning, and uh, I imagine we're going to be talking a lot more between now and the election with you. Uh, talk to you very, very soon. Thank you. Coming up on Squawk Pod, TikTok lives to dance another day. I don't really know what effectively the Trump administration accomplished, but this is a huge win for ByteDance and for most importantly, for TikTok, the app and all the consumers that use it. Analysis on the Oracle, Walmart, ByteDance, U.S. government deal from tech watcher Rich Greenfield right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. A big update over the weekend for TikTok users and stakeholders. The short-form video app is here to stay, for now. President Trump has signed off on a deal granting Oracle and Walmart minority stakes in a new company called TikTok Global, which will be broken off from parent company ByteDance. Oracle will take a 12.5% stake of the new company as TikTok's cloud provider, and Walmart will take on 7.5% as its commercial partner. Plus, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan will join the new company's board. TikTok Global has also committed to filing for an IPO on a U.S. exchange within a year, likely to boost confidence in the platform and dispel lingering national security concerns. ByteDance asserts that after the deal, it still retains 80% of TikTok, Although technically, TikTok Global will be 53% owned by U.S. investors and approximately 36% owned by Chinese investors. That's because TikTok's parent company, ByteDance, is currently 40% owned by U.S. investors. If that wasn't confusing enough, a few parts of the deal are still kind of murky, one being the algorithms that make TikTok so successful. ByteDance has asserted that it will not hand over algorithms to Oracle. It will grant Oracle authority to perform security checks on TikTok's U.S. source codes. But sources tell CNBC's Julia Borston that TikTok Global will get a license to all the source code, including the algorithm, so Oracle can effectively write its own algorithm for the U.S. platform and guarantee its security. Another confusing element? The idea of an education fund. In his approval, President Trump said TikTok Global would invest $5 billion in an American history education fund. ByteDance, it seems, hadn't heard of this fund until the announcement. And finally, the piece of the puzzle that baffled our own team more than almost anything else. TikTok Global's commitment to creating 25,000 jobs in the United States. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Guys, I don't know how much, how much time you spent r- looking through this, but it's, uh, it's fascinating to try to understand what exactly uh, this particular transaction means uh, it doesn't very much look like, I don't think, uh, what the administration had said they were looking for, which was a full, full sale. In many cases, it looks like what I just said, that ByteDance would own 80 percent of it and the other 20 percent would own, be owned by Walmart and Oracle. At the same time, the way they're, they're sort of finagling some of the language, but it could be structural as well as uh, other shareholders, the Sequoias, General Atlantics, and others that, are, that, are part of, that own, currently own part of ByteDance, they're going to be issued shares in this new company. And the argument ultimately is that if you were to count those shares, 
plus the Walmart Oracle shares that they collectively would have plus a majority over Plus the IPO. Yeah, plus IPO shares, but you got it. Once you did the, you're, you're getting into percentages of percentages. So I just said, I'm going to take right. your word for it that if you do the math, it's 53%. But I don't know. That depends on the I, IPO uh, as well. There's a good piece in the journal about you were using the word crony cat. Uh, Becky, you missed it last week. Uh, Andrew, we switched uh, seats again, and I, I, I'm a socialist, and he hates crony capitalism, and I love crony <laughs> capitalism. But uh, in the journal, talking about how uh, if any place would really love this deal, it's France, because it is statist. Uh, you know, it, it's picking winners and losers. Larry uh, Ellison is a campaign contributor, yeah. and it's rewarding companies you like, and it's the perfect yep. uh, sort of government statism. So, you know, and that's from the journal, I guess, uh, uh, really attacking it from the right. Um, I did, you know, it, it saved me the time of finding my Apple password yesterday, uh, which I can never find. Uh, Trying to download? And, and, well, I was, was going to have to download TikTok. It was going to be my last chance if yeah. I ever do want to lip sync or what do you do on it? Uh, it? It's supposedly as good as Facebook, but I, I wouldn't know. I've never downloaded it, and I, I wasn't in a rush to do it yesterday either. What? Lip syncing and dancing, Joe. Huh? Lip syncing and dancing. See, you got lip sync, uh, a little dancing. Is lip syncing like car- no, no karaoke is the opposite, right? That's where they're playing the music and you no, actually. Right. Sing. This I is have where- not seen a lot of karaoke on TikTok. This is just lip syncing, straight up. Man, uh, this, this is where Sarah like, Cooper made her name. It's worth like a gazillion dollars, so the teenagers can do that. See, it's you know, I, I need a, right. a little tutorial on on uh, that, and then WeChat or is it WeChat? WeChat. Before WeChat. we get to WeChat, I just want to make one note, and, and I thought that, that actually the, the laughing. most uh-huh. interesting thing that, that happened over the weekend that relates to this is not actually this particular transaction, though I know there's been so much focus on it itself, is that a number of Chinese media, which invariably when you see the Chinese media uh, come out, it, 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 the, the, the expectation is that it's supported, of course, by the Communist Party and by the government, Suggestions being made that Fang stocks, the Fang companies, should similarly be regulated the same way ByteDance is being regulated around the world. So that in every location, yeah. it should, if you're going to run this kind of business, it should be run by effectively a local, local. partner. It's interesting to see them say that, but it's the beginning, potentially, and we don't know, of what I think a lot of people are worried about, which is whatever may become a backlash on a larger playing field when it comes to trade uh, related to this particular decision. Although, Andrew, I would say... I know there are people who think this is very status, so... Look, I, I would say, from the respect of, of where the local servers are kept, I mean, in China, that's long been an issue. They wanted the servers kept locally for anything that was happening there so that they would have control and have access to that information. So right. I, I guess adding that additional layer of saying oh, it has to be run by a local partner, it, it doesn't seem like a huge stretch no. from what many of those technology companies have already agreed to do to, to be willing to operate in China. But nobody believes it, it prevents the transfer back that way. Rubio doesn't believe it. But although, you know, there are still concerns right. there. But if, if you read the, the conjecture, it's that those concerns are going to be met. You know, Mnuchin is pretty good at at, at Finding some solutions. You got out of all the people in the administration. I think you said that before, uh, Andrew. That that yep. um, he. I, I mean, this is truly is threading the needle uh, to get this uh, to get this done. And it, maybe it's maybe it's going to happen somehow. But it's like, 
I mean, it really and is convoluted. The 53%, the IPO, the servers are here. Yeah. It goes back there. It, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, at least Here's everybody my other can, question. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe you guys already answered this last week, but just having missed out on some of what was happening, is, is this solution acceptable to the Chinese? Because for a long time, China was saying, forget it. We'd rather see it just go under and close shop than be owned in whole by a U.S. company. Is this sort of threading the needle so solution is, acceptable but, to the other they're, side? They're going to yeah, try it, for it, retribution, it probably, in some other areas. Well, they're, now they're well, going to blacklist us. So, so, well, so, but TikTok and ByteDance are very happy about this particular transaction, in large part, by the way, because they didn't have to give up, didn't have to actually give up much, and in part because they've been able to maintain the value of the company. This deal is a much better deal. If you're ByteDance, if you're the founder of ByteDance, you're going to make a lot more money from this deal relative to what Microsoft was proposing. So, mm-hmm. from a fin- just straight financial perspective, so. Look, you could look it's at this. Fire Critics anymore. of this deal would look and say, if if China is willing to accept this, this is actually not such a great, this is not such a great right. deal from a national security perspective for the United States. Isn't every deal you're supposed to? People are supposed to be unhappy on both sides for it to be a good deal. But then there's the supposedly five billion in taxes, and then this after the IPO, this education, this AI ed- education, education for, fund, you know, right. for, for there's confusion about that. I, I'm yeah. confused about. Uh, about that as well. Well, you're not the only one. I think the companies are confused about that, too. We're going to continue this conversation, try to dig into what this all means uh, for content, content creators across the world of uh, social media and more broadly. want to bring Rich Greenfield, founder and partner at Lightshed Partners. Uh, Good morning to you. Um, Just want to start by by asking, I'll ask you the jobs question. You know, there's so much of this that makes no sense. The 25,000 jobs, I don't even know how you could even say that with a straight face, given the number of jobs, as I just said, that, are, that live at Snap and that also live at Facebook. Facebook is so materially larger, it's, it's, it's slightly crazy to even have the same conversation. And then you get into the details of this, what TikTok is saying, yet you have ByteDance on the other side saying, no, 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 all that's not true. Basically, we still own 80% of the company. So what do you think is really happening here? Uh, Andrew, first of all, this is going to make the most epic screenplay. I I mean, this is tech and Hollywood all rolled into one. And this is just an amazing story. I mean, if you had told me a week ago, even three days ago, that all that you needed to do was basically take 20 percent of TikTok and and sell it to two U.S. companies and, and that basically TikTok would still be a global company, all one app wherever you go around the world. I mean, basically it lives in every market other than inside of China. This is a story that, I mean, this is the perfect Hollywood ending for for TikTok. I don't really know what um, effectively the Trump administration accomplished, but this is a huge win for for ByteDance and for most importantly, for TikTok, the app and all the consumers that use it. There's going to be no change. I mean, this is going to be now an app that, if anything, is going to get stronger. I think the addition of Walmart and what they can do in commerce in terms of turning advertise ads that you see on TikTok into things that you can buy much like you've experienced on Instagram. That's probably the big opportunity that's going to help consumers over time as well. Um, When you think, though, of the other piece of this, the geopolitical implications, what China may or may not do um, in response to this, do you worry at all about the Disney's of the world, some of the some of the big media companies that actually still do business in China? Well, I mean, look, I think there is a question of, you know, I, I think there was fear that if that if TikTok was actually shut down, 
what would have happened and how that would have how China might have re- retaliated. This to me seems like at the end of the day, the White House backed down. I mean, look, they said a week and a half ago, I remember that Thursday night, I think it was a, on the tarmac in, in Michigan, where this had to be sold 100 percent. There could be no ownership of TikTok in the U.S. And, and that really worried me, Andrew. I mean, I was worried of what would happen. Would movies get kicked out of like what would be the impact uh, of retribution? In the end, I mean, selling a 20, effectively a 20 percent stake to two U.S. companies, this seems fairly tame. And, and I'm not sure from that standpoint, I wouldn't expect the type of feared blowback that we might have been worried about a few weeks ago. Right. If you're making Delrahim uh, waking up on a morning like this, in terms of how you see the competitive landscape, has it changed it at all? You talked about Walmart, both on the content side, but I think on the advertising side. Does this does this change how you might think about an Amazon as a competitor, as a, as a competitive monopoly, if you believe that's the case? Or does it change the way you think about a Facebook differently than you would have last week? Look, I think TikTok being a robust competitor, um, you know, it's certainly this is going to add competition to the entire space. I mean, this is a major competitor. If I, if I think about who is most exposed to the growth of TikTok, I mean, it's undoubtedly Google's YouTube. I mean, if you think about music and comedy, you know, look at look at like what the use cases for TikTok is. It most closely resembles Google's YouTube. And I think the length of videos is already expanding. It's aging up. I mean, the, you know, 67, 70 percent of TikTok now is people over the age of 18. So I think it matters to YouTube, but obviously it creates competition for Facebook and most importantly for Instagram. I think Snapchat investors, you know, I think there was Snapchat investors who hoped TikTok would actually disappear. Uh, they're not going to get that benefit. Now you're going to have TikTok as a robust competitor, but it's not really a messaging platform like Snapchat. But Andrew, you walk away and go, this is going to be the fast. This is one of the fastest growing mobile advertising platforms we've ever seen. This is, of course, going to have an impact on competition and, and kind of for anyone who feared sort of monopoly status. This is going to add a competition that's going to be helpful in their arguments to regulators. OK, Rich Greenfield, great to see you. Next on Squawk Pod, big banks are wrapped up in some suspicious activity and an Emmy's recap, sort of. I don't even think we got a mention. Did you even hear the word Squawk Box? We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin, along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. A trove of confidential bank documents reviewed by NBC News, Reuters and others revealed large banks 
moving massive amounts of allegedly illicit funds over a period of nearly 20 years, despite red flags over the origins of the money. The five banks appearing most within the document trove, HSBC, J.P. Morgan Chase, Deutsche Bank, Standard Charter, and Bank of New York Mellon. Want to get over to Wilfred Frost. Wilf. Good morning, Andrew. Yeah, so shares in HSBC have hit a 25-year low after various articles pointed to suspicious activity in the past, specifically money laundering. A team of news organizations uh, led by BuzzFeed News said it had seen more than 2,100 reports filed by the Treasury's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, as you just mentioned. HSBC said in a statement to us uh, that all of the data cited was historical. It predated Treasury's 2017 conclusion that HSBC had met commitments under a Deferred Prosecution Act from an agreement that the two sides had made back in 2012. Standard Chartered and Deutsche Bank are some of the other European banks that bear the brunt of the report, while some U.S. banks are mentioned too, like J.P. Morgan and BMY Mellon. Though, like with HSBC, the reports appear to be from the past, not the present. All banks in Europe and U.S. are down sharply. What are the true implications of what could happen as a result of this? Do you, do you see regulations coming? Do you see lawsuits coming as a result of these documents being well, released? I've reached out for, for more statements this morning. I mean, but the HSBC one is pretty full in citing very clearly that anything cited in these news reports over the weekend predates 2017, which was a, when right. their conclusion came from an agreement they had in 2012. So if that the same level of thing applies to all of the other banks cited, then, then this is a report on something that the banks have already settled with Treasury, if that same, same thing applies to all of them. So, so we have to wait and see for more specifics on that. But, but it, there isn't any implication in the report that this is things that are ongoing today that they've just uncovered that regulators and lawmakers were not aware had happened yet. I would go one step further, though, which is interesting on a week last week when we got the details of the second round of bank stress tests. But I do think that uh, this group is more disproportionately exposed, not just the stimulus talks, but to the election. And uh, anything that brings up the possibility that could lead to a change in direction in, in the tone and level of regulation that banks can face under a Democratic institution versus a Republican one uh, definitely hurts this, these stocks. And, and on, 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 on days of election-related fears, they move because of those big-picture fears as opposed to specifically on, on news like this. Wilfred Frost, uh, great to get your insights on all of this this morning. Did we get stiffed again last night? I mean, it, I, I know Shit's Creek um, won a lot uh, last night. And I don't know if you saw it, but you've got to follow. You can never just say the, the name of the creek without saying the creek. If you don't say Shit's Creek, you're up Shit's Creek. If you don't say, and Jimmy Kimmel, he, he, I just saw the very beginning of it, but he kept saying it over, and they had to put, you know, CBS at the bottom had to always put the Shit's Creek, Shit's Creek. But, but it won, uh, what's wrong? It won a lot. But we, again, didn't. I don't even think we got a mention. Did you even hear the word squawk box? There are squawk box. It's the new the news Emmys are on a different day, Joe. That's the show for today. Thank you for listening. As always, Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, 
No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 